the first thing that all agents should do. So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one -on -one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today I'm joined by Susanna Medrano. And gosh, today's going to be a fun one because Susanna closed 11 million as a buyer's agent in her first year, right? But guys, it doesn't stop there because her second year, she became a top producer for her entire brokerage of Waters International. In her third year, she became a team leader. In her fourth year, she became the brokerage's director of sales. And her team placed first at the Austin Business Journal Awards. So now we got the four-year recap. But what happened in seventh year as she's been in business? Well, she led the team to closing a record of 920 transactions. And yes, you heard that right. Nine to zero in a single calendar year, placing her first once again at the Austin Business Journal Awards. But guys, she's not just closing deals. She's giving back. She's coached over hundreds of agents in the Central Texas area, and she continues to do so every single day. So Susanna, hopefully I did a little bit of justice on that introduction. Man, Peter, thank you. Thank you. I mean... It's interesting, right? How life happens. And this all started with me having a conversation with someone at a gala that convinced me that I should give up my $35,000 a year job and going into sales, which I never thought I would ever, ever, ever do. Right. So um, thank you, Bradley Pounds. And thank you, Chris Waters for taking a chance on somebody that was a non non-salesperson and, you know, giving me the tools to help find other people like myself and you know, also for all of my team members that were part of our my journey and getting us to these these benchmarks. I mean, it was all about the hard work that we all put in together uh, that made it happen. So I'm just happy to be on Elite Agent Secrets today with you, Peter, and uh, just to have a conversation and see, you know, what transpires from it. I, I love it. And before we dive into your background, let's cover the topics because I know the audience is sitting on the edge of their seats because today we're going to be covering in topic number one, the three secrets that helped you take your team from 500 transactions to 900 transactions during COVID when you guys were shut down for literally three plus months at a time. And topic number two, we're going to talk about how to develop future top producers and future leadership in any organization and what the five key personal core values are necessary to accomplish that. And sure. topic number three, yeah, you gave us a little bit of a glimpse, but we're going to be talking about how you went from nonprofit social work to real estate and how you went from making 35000 a year in health insurance and benefits to taking the cold plunge and making and maintaining a six figure income with career trajectory ever since. <laughs> Take us back to day one. Like what, what got you involved in real estate to begin with? Like how did uh, Chris Waters and, and Bradley Pound get you uh, to come over and, and jump careers? Because I'm sure that wasn't an easy decision. It, it wasn't, but it was. Because if you think in terms of, you know, my background of helping people, that's what real estate is. It's yeah. helping people. 
-hmm. And not only it now it's evolved, not only helping people as, as far as the consumer, customer, client, right. But now it's helping people, other agents and staff be able to find, you know, what they're passionate about, what their strengths and weaknesses about. So it's, it's, that's been a very interesting like trajectory for me to take it. But the bottom thing, the bottom line of all of it is, is the helping people. That's how I got involved in real estate was the fact that that forever and will never change. It's all about helping people. Yeah. I, I think, I think maybe helping, I, I like the, I like your verbiage, but I prefer empowering, right? Because really what you're doing is, especially when we're talking about like topic one and, and we get to dive into it in a few minutes here, it takes a lot. And if you're trying to just motivate people, it's like taking a cold shower and eventually it wears <laughs> off, right? You have sure. to inspire and empower for somebody to actually take the action. And I, th I think that's really what's admirable um, because you're, you're year one, 11 million. You, uh, what is that? 45 families we were ch chatting off air. That is no small undertaking. And your background is very similar to mine where we're dealing with 1% converting leads, aka Absolutely. the internet leads. So uh, it's like you're a 49er, right? You're having to shift through a lot of things to find that one, that one piece of gold, but that gold is lifelong as long as you're maintaining that relationship with that person. Right. So yeah, you're right. Like it learn, you, you learn a lot about yourself, how strong one can be and how persistent one can be when you're having to do that. Especially when you're banging your head against the wall, you talk to a hundred people and that one person actually says, Oh yeah, I'm interested in buying six yep. months from now. Right. Yep. So, so talk to me a little bit about, we, we know what your first four years kind of looked like, but sure. what had you staying consistent and sticking through your first year, your second, your third, your fourth year, because you climbed to being a top producer within your first 24 months of being in a business. Mm -hmm. So the first, the first thing that all agents should do, and everybody's probably going to hate me saying this word, right? but you could say it all together with me is a thing called prospecting, meaning Ooh. picking up this phone and using it other than checking likes on Facebook or whatever, right? It's picking up this phone and taking a massive amount of action and calling and calling and calling. And just when you think that you can't dial anymore, you have to make that one more dial. It's like, the more people you're talking on this device with, the more likely you're going to find that one person that is ready to go now. And if they're not ready to go now, they can be ready, but then at least you're building that type of relationship with them on the phone. So that's, 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 I can't get more clear than that. It's, it's concept. Number one It's prospecting. That was what helped. Mm -hmm. The second component of this is the discipline of time meaning that there is no 40 hours a week in this, right? Like this is the, the first year, your first year in real estate is literally going all in, all out. There is no boundary of time. And so it was very, very important for me early on to have conversations with my friends and family. Hey, I'm starting this new career. Guess what? You may not see me as much. <laughs> I'll try to make, I'll try to make events, but this first year I have to go all in. So it's literally it, it betting on yourself and making sure every aspect of your time first you have to block off your personal time first you know for family types of things but you have to be very disciplined in the activities that are going to make you money which are going back to prospecting 
And then you start, you know, showings, negotiating, all the different things that make you money within real estate. The third, the third component that helped me scale early on is to never stop learning. You know, if, if you stay trapped in just the one in real estate, the world change, real estate changes, right? But I found that if I was able to at least find 15, 20 minutes a day to read some sort of either uh, personal development book, real estate book, sales book, mindset, leadership, the news, that was just arming me with just a little more <clears throat> that I needed in order to prospect better, in order to help block my time. So those are the three, those are the three things that helped me scale my business. And, and I have I have tested this with numerous agents across the country. Those that choose to prospect, be very disciplined with their time and invest in their self as far as like learning things in addition to not just what your broker tells you, right? Those three things, it's hard for you not to be successful if you have those three components. One of the things that I guess I want to dive into because most agents, what I'm finding just from the conversations that I'm having is that they don't know how to define the money-making activities other than prospecting, right? Most people think that prospecting is going on Facebook, on Instagram, scroll, like a bunch of stuff, maybe comment on a few things and share, right? Right. So can we put agents in a way, and I hate doing this, but let's do it, put them in the box with a set of things that they can do or they should be doing when it comes to prospecting other than cold calling, Fizbo's expires, sure. door knocking, maybe something where they need to warm up a little bit, or maybe that is part of the core strategy for them because that's what works. Sure. So Dirk Zeller says it best. He has this component of like how realtors spend should be spending their time. And there's three components. The first one being it's, it's an acronym called DIPA, direct income producing activities. And those items are, and, and, and how much time you should be spending is 70% of your time should be spent on prospecting, making your follow-ups, conducting open houses, buyer, um, actually doing a full-on buyer consultations, listing presentations at the kitchen table, negotiating your deals, um, showing property. All of those things are things. Now, it may not, may not be immediate direct producing right now, but over the course of time, that is how you get paid. That's how, that's how you make your living. That's called the, the direct income producing activities. Then the other acronym is IIPA, indirect income producing activities. And this is all lead generation. What ends up happening there is agents should only spend about 20% of their time trying to generate lead flow, by the way. And what ends up happening is a lot of us that may not know better, we will spend 50, even 70% of our time on things that isn't directly making you any kind of money. It's, it's yes, it may be getting your name out there in different kinds of social uh, profiles and such, but it is not necessarily generating anything for you right now, as opposed to just hitting the phones, right? Like that's more of a direct type of thing. Then there is another, the other component of a realtor's time is something called PSA. It's called uh, production supporting activities. So this is literally the time it takes to print out um, the, the properties you're going to go show. The, this is literally the time it takes to create your fun folders that you're going to leave at the seller at the seller's house for their listing, right? This is also the time it takes to call other realtors to find out information about all of that too should only be taking 15 to 
15, 20% of their time. A lot of agents start focusing on only, you know, spending a lot of their time on things again. I mean, I can make folders the, the most beautiful of the beautiful. Guess what? It's going to end up in the damn trash, right? So again, those three components, what people should do is to take time to actually track their time for a week and, and, not, and not judge themselves, but literally track their time for a week and figure out what the rhythms are, figure out what their best days are. And then actually calculate out of all of that week, how much time did you spend in activities that actually make you money? And whenever I've done this exercise, personally, I do it once a year. I always start off the first year and coaching all of my agents as this is an activity we all have to do. It is the most eye-opening thing, Peter, because it's like, it is what it is. That doesn't lie. I mean, what, you're going to lie to yourself that instead of watching Housewives, you're going to say and claim that you did prospecting during that time? No. So that That is a real clear way of being able to really dig in into, am I really doing the right things I should be doing as a realtor right now? Mm. See, I think I think that's so powerful because as you were chatting, I'm, I'm like auditing my last <laughs> like 24, 48 hours. Uh-huh. And I'm yeah. like, hmm, did I spend 70% of time of DIPA, which is direct income producing activities? And I'm... Um, the answer is probably not 70% of the time, probably like 40% of the time, right? And, and I say this because obviously you have to be a little bit objective. It's There's yeah. no subjectivity when it comes to this exercise, which, which I really love. But then for me, the DIPA and the IIPA kind of... Invert, they're inversed for you. Yeah, but, but, they, but they also merge, right? Because when you say lead sure. generation, for me... You know, I could be messaging people on Facebook and just building a relationship. Maybe they're looking to buy or they're not, but I'm asking if they are looking to move. Would, would you classify it as IIPA? Or I would DIPA? classify that as a DIPA. I would classify that as a DAPA. I think um, what, what ends up happening is a lot of us will partner already with a team that has leads, right? So mm-hmm. what we do is we try to reinvent the wheel, whereas your broker or your team, your team owner could already be giving you leads. For what you just described is you are actually doing it in a way that is a follow-up to someone that has literally raised their hand. So in, 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 in the definition of what direct income producing activity is, is with the intention of trying to get a customer to become a client. So I think that falls right into um, the, first, the first concept of the three pillars of a realtor's time. Yeah, because like, you know, when we're running Facebook ads, I have the ISA calling and then I'm following up on those leads. I'm scheduling the buyer's console. That's that's the IPA all day long, right? The setting up of it, the setting up of it is indirect, right? The setting up of those campaigns, writing up the scripts, like all those different kinds. That is where that is, um, you know, a lot of us have those little things, automated things that sometimes get set out. That is where that is indirect. And yeah. And, and the reason I wanted to draw that distinction is because whether you're a brand new agent that's listening to this or a seasoned veteran, I think that line is so fine that you think that you need to put more emphasis on drawing up a new script. And we're here to tell you, shut up, go get a script, learn it. And then as you run through it, your script is going to kind of come to you because you're going to like different things versus the others, but it's already proven to work for somebody else. Well, Peter, it's as simple as asking someone if they've had the chance to see the inside of any houses lately. Yeah. And that is going to trigger 
a conver a natural conversation with someone or if they own or rent their home and if they're interested in selling again those two questions at the very beginning of any kind of phone call arms other than trying to get someone to tell you about their motivation or their location like I mean, come on. The customer's already tired of hearing LP Mama, you know, like I, it's it's funny because <laughs> oh my god, I want to burn that shit in the trash script right here as you were saying that. Yeah, well, the consumer's so used to it. Think. I mean, they're used to it. We got to be different. Those that are different end up having more of an impact with that customer. Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know if you would like access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to eliteagentsecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. Now back to the show. It's it's more about creating a relationship. So I, I'm a big Sirhan fan, and he always says, listen, people hate mm-hmm. buying stuff and spending money, but they love shopping with friends. Mm-hmm. Your goal is to get the stranger to a friend as quickly as possible. I, I just had this happen, not, not happen to me. I did this intentionally and purposefully on Saturday when I was doing a buyer's consultation. Spend like the first three, four, maybe even five minutes talking nothing about real estate. Yes, this was a referral, but it wasn't like a warm referral. This person was like, hey, you need to talk to Pete. Then the person messaged me. I said, great, let's chat. So this was... I treat it like a cold lead, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Because there's no relationship there. I don't know what was told. And I think the mindset around quote-unquote referrals is also wrong because you don't know whether this person that gave the referral teed you up and made you seem like the god of, or goddess yeah, of real estate. It's not a give me. You still have to do your qualifications. You still got to do your work. Boom. So the first thing I did is I jumped on the gentleman's profile on Instagram. I looked. I said, oh, he's into cars. Cool. I'm into cars. So the first like three, four, five minutes, we spend talking about like cars and watches and, you know, traveling and, and all this stuff that he's really into that there's some overlap in our interests. And by the time we got off, he goes like, oh my God, I'm so glad I reached out. I wasn't going to because I'm six, 12 months out, but you're the right person for me based on the whole conversation. Not, not only because I do know my shit when it comes to real estate, right? right? But it's also because I was an actual human being and not a robot. He, you know, everybody else that he was going to talk to was like, oh, everyone's trying to get me to pre-approved. I'm like, dude, you're six, 12 months out. Like, why don't we just take a look at the portal and see if there's even a property that's on your horizon, right? We got got time. So now let's just keep keep in mind what the market's doing. So we are equipped for when we're looking to buy, which I... I that's what the customer wants. That's what the customer wants, regardless if it's a referral, you know, and I, and I think that's, that's lovely. Um, I had an agent this past Thursday, we do national call jams with everybody just making calls, mm-hmm. even virtually for a setting. And there's this agent, his name is Evan Rose, and he's out of Arkansas, Jonesboro, Arkansas. And he is literally converting the stranger. And we're all listening into his phone conversation and how it starts is, the person answers the phone. Of course, we're interrupting their day, right? They're mad, right? Like mad. And I think he hears, I think he hears the dog barking. So he's like, oh, what kind of dog do you have? And then he starts saying, well, I have four dogs. Uh, the agent says, well, I have four dogs. So they start discussing dogs. And before you know it, they're talking about goats on a street where his grandparents live. And that's where this pro that's where this person literally lives is across this way. So it had nothing to do about real estate. 
But what it did was it broke the barrier down. Trust was established, right? And it was organic. It was authentic. And it was just a a great reminder that you don't have to go right into the jugular. The customer, you got to warm up the customer sometimes, right? In order to make a friend. And just like in your case, even with the referral we should never, we should never judge that. Maybe that referral's already been given the alley you like, we're just going to slam dump it. No, some of the times I've gotten a referral from my broker and it's just, Hey, talk to, just go ahead and talk to Susana. She'll take care of you. That person doesn't know. You still have to build trust. You still have to, you know, create that kind of a, of building a rapport in order for that business relationship to flourish. So I think that just wanted to, to chime in along with your story. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's, you know, it's perspective that we have in the mentality, like we perceive that the referrals are better quality leads. Meanwhile, Facebook are trash, right? And that's not the case. No, you're just not as good because your perception of them is not. What if you treated every single person that hit your database, like they're a million dollar buyer or a million dollar listing? I guarantee you those conversations will be just a little bit different, right? Well, all leads are created equal, whether it's a 1% converting lead or a 33% sphere converting, you know, sphere referral. The the fact of the matter is, is that we should never prejudge the lead, but we're human. Humans, we judge. Like, that's just part of it. But in in judging leads, what ends up happening, it becomes a bad habit. And so then you automatically assume when someone says on the phone, oh, you know what? I still, I'm still working on credit. If you're not open-minded, that is an opportunity to create even a longer relationship with someone. If you are the one that actually hears that and says, you know, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to empower, like you said, I'm going to empower this person. I'm going to connect them with the right people to make that, to make them believe and to make them do the things that they should do in order to be a homeowner. Whereas for some people, because of prospecting, they hear it, they're like, oh, hands off. Mm, okay, you know what? Nice talking to you. You know, I'll talk, I'll, you know, good luck, good luck on your journey. Because sometimes if we're not top of mind, we will miss those opportunities because we don't think that those leads are equal. I, I agree. But listen, there is no secret when it comes to secrets, right? The irony behind the name of our show. So for topic number one, I think this is a very good segue into the three secrets that helped you take your team from 500 to 900 plus transactions in the year of COVID. Because a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, we would assume it's fundamental knowledge, but it's not. So right. what are the actual, in topic one, secret one, the three different secrets sure. that have helped you almost double your business in less than 12 months? Concept number one, consistency. Consistency compounds. Consistency, whether it was myself or whether it was our team, it's you got to show up every day and give it hell. And whatever time we've decided as a group, you don't show up late. You show up at that time. We check in, like we would check in at 8, 8.30 in the morning, take pictures of our shoes that we were all dressed, even though we were at home during COVID, or take pictures of our of our coffee cup that we were literally sitting in our in our desk and we were ready to give it help. So concept number one, whether it was COVID or not, was the consistency aspect of it. And do it every day. You build the you build success on a state of probability of doing things the same way every time. 
Like your, your, your level of success jumps so much higher when you know that you're doing it. At some point, that fish is going to come to the boat. So you just have to be consistent. Concept number two is to be relentless and flexible. Meaning, um, let's just say I just get told five no's right off the bat. Well, you know what? It's maybe that six yes. So I have to be relentless enough and flexible enough to let that shit roll off my back. So that was also very, very, and very, very hard to do. But the team, our mindset was like, okay, we're going to show up every day. We're going to be consistent. We're going to have to be relentless. We don't know what's tomorrow. We don't know next week. Right. And, um, and in that, like people during COVID, I've had, I had agents losing family members. I myself lost family, extended family members, right? Like there was so much unknown during that time that first off, you're dealing with, you know, the personal aspect of that, like our families, our friends that were no longer, but in that we owed it to ourselves and we owed it to those individuals in our family to just give it your all hell, be damn relentless, like, and, and be flexible that one day, maybe that's a day that you're getting in your head about it. Cause we're human. We can't, we're not machines and it's okay to be flexible. It's okay to take a few moments and go watch judge Judy for a minute and take a plug off and then come back on. Right. So that's concept number two, concept number three. Oh man. Pivot. You got to be able to pivot. And during that unknown time, Peter, we were still, we were still learning things that we had to do things virtually. We weren't even able to go into houses during COVID, right? Like we were showing properties virtual. Maybe we were the only agent in the house showing it. Maybe we were doing a listing presentation virtual, whatever it was. And we still had to do it. So we were still consistent. We were still being relentless. We're still pushing, pushing, pushing. But we also had to pivot, meaning that if something's not working, why are we going to continuously do something that's not working? You have to be very, very quick to pivot. So do I recommit to it? Because I'm not doing it right. Maybe there's some, some fundamental thing that I'm missing. Or do I need to try something new? Or do I pivot, meaning I'm pivoting and still doing the same thing because I'm so much of a badass at this point that it's working? So it's the consistency, being relentless, and then knowing when to pivot and when not to pivot. Reset, go back to number one. I It's it's funny you, you say those three, but the one that stuck out to me the most was pivot. And, and, he, and here's why, because real estate fundamentally, it's a very old profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know how to leverage and capitalize today's tools, you're going to find yourself that you're going to become one out of the three agents that are going to exit the market in 2023 because you're not pivoting or you're not open to other things. So fundamentally, the business is going to stay the same. However, as the audiences get younger and younger, you need to figure out where their attention is. And that's why you need to pivot. So I started pivoting in my business by doing virtual Zooms for buyers consultations. It's a game changer. It's a, it's a game changer. And, and, and instead of meeting somebody at the office, driving, let's say 30 minutes, sitting with them for an hour, then driving back, that's two hours. Now I can do two buyer consultations in the same time frame. And it's typically more convenient for the other party as well. And Peter, there's no excuse, right? Out of the one good thing that came out of COVID 
is the fact that you can't tell me no one has a damn Google chat or Google meet or a zoom or some sort of a virtual account, right? That's how we all were communicating. And that's yeah. exactly to your point is exactly where people have been able to leverage their time more, especially this past year when gas went up to four, $6 a gallon, depending on what area of town, like what, what state you're in. Yeah. Like, first off, people are coming off of a market shift. It's so competitive, you know, listings aren't weren't um, staying, but a day on, on the market, buyer agents are beating their heads against the board, writing all these multiple offers, blah, 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 blah. But in that, the, the virtual virtual presentation of either the buyer consult and or the listing presentation, I still think listing presentations should be in-house, you don't need to look at it. But from the perspective of a buyer agent, the Zoom can empower you Let's just take 15 minutes. Let's go over the MLS together. Let's look at some houses virtually. And you give me a rating of one to 10 about what you like about it. Then it allows me to go back to the drawing board and customize and personalize that consumer's experience in a way that now I know what they're looking for. And if I don't, shit, again, go back and it goes back into what I was saying. You need to learn. You need to learn your market, right? But being able to just really narrow down anywhere from three to seven houses. And you already know within your gut, these are the houses that they're going to like, because you've already had that initial conversation on a zoom. So yes, I'm right. I, I'm so glad you said that. Like that was a total game changer for us in the last two years of just the virtual consultation on the buy side. And, and, you know, the other thing is it's like watching the game tape. Uh, so what I, this is the way I started pitching this uh, recently because I want to know where I'm screwing up. I want to know where I'm good. I, I find that sometimes my buyer consultations, I get on a little bit of a drunkalog, right? Because <laughs> I like to talk and I like to, you know, chit chat. And I hear my wife from the other room, stop bullshitting so much. Just get on and get up. You're wasting too much time. And, sh- and she's not wrong. She's not right. right, but she's not wrong, right? So what I started doing is, now that I'm recording mine, I say, hey, I'm going to record this so I can send it to you. So just in case you have any questions or you maybe you forgot Brilliant. something, you can always reference back to it. But I'm always happy to answer those questions as well at the same time, again and again, until you have 100% clarity around what is it that we talked about. Because I want to make sure that you're okay with what the process looks like. And yet again, you can have a little PowerPoint presentation or Google Slides. You can have some kind of visuals. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a much better experience, but then most importantly, selfishly, you can watch that game tape, game tape back and be like, ooh, I've, here, here's where I screwed up. Ooh, here's where I can improve. Here's where my tonality was off. Here's where my body language was off. And here's, here's where, where I'm saying ums. I've said 15,000 ums because I'm not comfortable talking about that one piece of advice I was given, right? I think that's brilliant. So how, how do you, so say that phrase again on how you have, because you get you get the buy-in about hey we're going to record this right because that's usually part of it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't even say hey we're going to record this. I say hey by by the way I'm going to throw this on record that way you can have this and you can reference it back at any given time. Even if you may have the same question, if you forgot something, please ask me. But I'll send this to you afterwards. Sounds good. Good. Great. Okay. And I, and I literally just I'm I'm all assume just assume right. I, assume the close. I love 100%. it. I love it. That's- I don't say hey you know. Can we please record this? No, I say, hey, I'm going to record this. I'm going to send this to you. Here's what I'm going to do for you. You're leading them like, this is just the way we do it. This is the way we do it. Okay. And they don't know anything else. 
right? right? Or at least I'm assuming that they don't do anything else. They're like, oh, well, I'm not comfortable recording. I said, oh, no worries. This is not going to go anywhere. This is just for, for, for you. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't want it. I said, all right, cool. No worries. If you don't want it, that's totally fine. But that sure also you've not ever gotten a pushback from it. Probably one out of what, 50. Honestly, and at the time of our podcast, I have never gotten a pushback. So Boom. I don't. That's what I was hoping you were going to say. Um, it's all in how you present it, right? If you're going to yeah. half-ass it, of course, if you're doubting it, then of course the person's be like, wait, should I be doubting this? But if you're like, this is if just- If you make it weird, it. they're going to feel Boom. that it's weird. For me, it's not weird. Nine out of 10 times, it's already recorded before we actually yes. get on. But I stopped doing that because then I have to cut out my, you know, chit-chat or whatever I was yeah. talking to myself on, on the recording. Um but I always make it so much about them. And it, it truly is about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of people will probably not watch it the way you watch it, but it's also, it allows me to build another touch point afterwards where it gives me a reason to follow up, right? But it's making you better, Peter. It's making you better the next time and the next time, right? It's just like how we should be listening to our phone call. We should be recording our phone calls. Absolutely. And listening to them as uncomfortable as that is. It is, if, if you're not, if, if you've never heard yourself on a recorded prospecting call, you're, you're already, you're already behind, you're already behind the, the test. Like it is imperative that you listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't get I better. Agree. You can't get better. I, I, I agree. It, it's like one of those things like professional athletes, they watch the game tape mm-hmm. over and over and over again. They, they, they look at, Ooh, you know, I took off a little bit too quickly here. Maybe I kicked the ball over there. Whatever. Or they watch the team prior to playing that team because they want to know exactly how that player or the person that they're going to defend is going to move so that they can anticipate the moves, right? Exactly. Like, that's how you can become perfect. You can become perfect. You just have to, it goes back yes. to the discipline of time. I, I agree. It's it's just, and it's also repetition, right? Mm-hmm. So, so because I have the confidence, I'm not doubting whether we're going to be recording this or not. It's like, for me, because I'm, I'm on camera so much anyways, to me, it's like, whatever. Now, if you don't right. feel comfortable, here's what I'll tell you. Start recording yourself. I love it. I love it. That's, that's the advice. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to look on camera. Nobody gives a shit. Recording <laughs> no one yourself. does. Nobody's no one does. Like, They're already oh, used to it. Know, whatever. Peter's hair was out of place on that one video he did two weeks. No, nobody remembers what right. they did last night, right? Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com partner, or you can just click the link in the description below.